Welcome to the teaching ministry of Reverend JFK Mensa, a seasoned Bible teacher with over 40 years of ministry experience. He is a pastor, a church planter, a missionary, and an international conference speaker. He is passionate about making Christ-like disciples worldwide. JFK Mensa is the General Overseer of Great Commission Church International. May you be transformed as you listen to the Word of God. Our Heavenly Father, give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation as we plow through this new series so that our hearts can catch what is on your heart. In Jesus' name, Amen. From today, I want us to begin a new series on the last things. The last things. Bible scholars and theologians call it eschatology. And eschatology is two Greek words put together. Eschatos, meaning last, end. And logos is the doctrine or the teaching, the word. So, the subject of eschatology is the Christian doctrine on the last things. Now, eschatology is a subject which most pastors avoid for three reasons. Number one, it is difficult, complex, and complicated. Number two, the Christian church is not agreed about all the points of eschatology. And number three, is that the issues involved in eschatology are such that when you make a mistake on them, you yourself face judgment. According to James chapter 3 verse 2 That we who teach will face stricter judgment So many pastors prefer to let sleeping dogs lie And then just leave it alone But eschatology is critical For at least five reasons Number one If you grasp the teaching on the end of life and last things it causes you to clean up your life according to first john chapter 3 verses 2 and 3 the bible says when we see jesus we shall be like him and anyone who has this hope in himself purifies himself just as he is pure Eschatology causes us to clean up our lives. Yes. First John chapter 3 verses 2 to 3. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when He appears, 
we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Now, the second thing eschatology does for us is it causes us to work for God more because of the reward of the end times. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, the Bible says, Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. You will be paid for what you are doing. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord it's not in vain. The third thing that eschatology does for us is that it causes us to comfort one another and be able to carry and persevere and endure during trials, difficulties, and problems, challenges, knowing that when Jesus comes, all this will be over. You see? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we can read verse 16 to 18, but we will read it again. So, let me just quote it for you. He says that the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will first rise. And we who are alive, we shall be changed, and caught up in the air with them to meet Jesus then shall we forever be with the Lord and Paul ends by saying comfort one another with these words so that when you are bereaved a loved one in the church dies we don't sorrow and weep and uh, are discouraged like other people who don't have any hope Ah, eschatology gives us hope and makes it such that we, we are comforted even with bereavement and we can endure persecution go through trials knowing that there is a better life there is a resurrection that is coming and then I want also to register one thing that eschatology does for us the knowledge that there is one God one Lord Jesus one Holy Spirit, one faith, one baptism, one hope of heaven makes it such that we can better appreciate one another as brothers and sisters and family members and learn to live together here so that we can live together there. I mean, if you are quarreling with someone on this earth and you find out in heaven that he is your next door neighbor, how are you going to handle it for eternity? That's from Ephesians chapter 4. From verse 4 to 6. We are not reading that one too. And the last one is that the eternal issues raised by eschatology help us to change our priorities on this earth and then live lives that aim at heavenly things. Colossians chapter 3 
from verse 1 and 2 that we should set our affection and our mind on heavenly things now what that does for us i want us to read the first corinthians chapter 9 verse 24 to 27 is that first corinthians chapter, chapter 9, 9 we are reading from verse 24, 24 to 27 to 27 yes do you not know that in a race all the runners run but only one get the prize yes run in such a way as to get the prize yes everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training they do it to get a crown that will not last but we do it to get a crown that will last forever therefore i do not run like a man running aimlessly i do not fight like a man beating the air no i beat my body and make it my slave so that after i have preached to others i myself will not be disqualified for the prize in this world there are a lot of things you can do there are a lot of options we have but it is eschatology that causes us to fix our attention our passion our purposefulness and our drive on the most important things you see certain things matter more than other things for example paul in acts chapter 20 verses 23 and 24 was telling the ephesian elders that in every city i go to prophecies come and the holy spirit tells me that imprisonments bonds are waiting for me but none of these things move me and i don't count my life dear to myself so that i can finish the task which the lord jesus has given me please if you find it let's read it. ask 20 23 to 24 to 24 yes it says i only know that in every city the holy spirit wants me that prison and hardships are facing me however i consider my life worth nothing to me if only i may finish the race and complete the task the lord jesus has given me the task of testifying to the gospel of god's grace certain things are more important than life this is what paul is bringing forcefully to our attention that it is not just clinging to this life wanting to live long that is the most important thing if you read genesis chapter 5 you see that the longest living man methuselah is the one of whom the least is known and in that whole chapter 5 the shortest living man enoch is the one who speaks loudest in that chapter and has been speaking since it's not how long you live is the quality of life with which you live therefore eschatology helps us to focus on the most important things in this life and discipline ourselves to achieve those so paul could say at the end of his life in second timothy chapter 4 verses 7 and 8 i've fought the good fight i've finished the race i've kept the faith and to me now is laid up the crown of righteousness which the lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day having said that i need to 
iron out yet another ground. That is, the area covered by eschatology is basically the area of the unknown. Nobody is sure. Nobody is sure. And death, life after death, ghosts, resurrection, judgment, heaven, hell, the Antichrist, the Great Tribulation, Armageddon, the Rapture, those things are things which are in the future. And because they are in the future, we need guiding principles that work. And I want to put to you that the three strongest arguments for the doctrine of eschatology are number one, Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead is the strongest proof that the grave is not the end. That death is not the end. That when you stop breathing and they take you to the mortuary, that is not the end of existence. Jesus rose from the dead. A second argument concerns the Bible. These days, a lot of people are keeping absolute truth. They question everything. And they, they tell themselves, well, nobody knows. Let's try this one. Probably this is the right way. Evolution has no answer for death and life after death. Because it looks back into millions of years and says we started off from the Big Bang and from chimpanzees. And because of that, it doesn't have a future. It doesn't have a hope. But the Bible claims to be truth. Psalm 119 verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in the heavens. Jesus believed the Bible. He said in John 10, 35, The scripture cannot be broken. Jesus said his words are trustworthy. Matthew 24, 35, He said, Heaven and earth will pass away, But my words will not pass away. Paul said in Galatians 1, 8 and 9, that if we or an angel from heaven to preach any other gospel from what we have preached, let him be accursed. The early church believed that the Bible was steadfast truth. And Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, that if you continue in my word you will know the truth and the truth will set you free John 17 17 Jesus said make them holy in your truth your word is truth 2nd Corinthians 13 8 says we can do nothing against the truth but for the truth Jesus himself said in John chapter 18 verse 37 and 38 that the reason I came to this world is to bear witness to the truth. Anyone who is of the truth 
listens to me. So, I'm trying to say that the Bible truth is absolute truth. Therefore, I don't offer an apology to any human being for quoting Jesus and quoting Bible verses to, to map out eschatology. Now, my third argument and foundation is the strength of just 65 years of experience as a human being. I don't need statistics to tell me that human beings die. For the past 65 years, I have seen all kinds of human beings die. The rich, the poor, the great, the small, the illiterate, the literate, presidents and the powerful. And then people who are of no consequence and substance, they all die. All men die. Therefore, I don't need a scientific proof for the reality of death. Amen? Okay. Now, eschatology is in two big branches. The first one we call personal eschatology. That has to the Bema judgment seat of Christ, the first resurrection, the final resurrection, and the Armageddon, then the eternal state of heaven and hell forever, plus the thousand years reign of Jesus Christ. I must admit that these topics can be confusing because there are several deaths, several resurrections, several judgments, and different players on the timing of when Jesus comes in the second coming. The first period of Jesus' coming was 33 and a half years. His birth, his baptism, his uh, temptation, his miracles and ministry, his death and resurrection. The second coming of Jesus is also a period. It's not just one event. So it is a little complex. And because of that, I want to go over it slowly and pray for understanding. So today, I'm handling only personal eschatology. I'm talking about death. I'm talking about intermediate states where dead people go to. And I'm talking about the rapture. And if I have the time, how to overcome fear of death. So, let's look at it slowly. Number one, death. 
Death is important as a subject because it is the period of stop work. Everything you are doing, whoever you are, no matter how busy you are, when death comes, you put down your tools and stop work. The second reason death is important is Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27. It says it's appointed unto man once to die. After that you have an appointment with God which is judgment. The third reason why death is important as a subject is because when you die your faith is sealed. Revelation chapter 14 verse 13 says I heard a voice from heaven saying Right Revelation chapter 14 verse 13 Yes Then I heard a voice from heaven say Right Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on Yes, says the spirit They will rest from their labor For their deeds will follow them Death is a rest from your labor But your deeds follow you everything you have done on this earth follows you so death is critical because you cannot add another full stop to what you are doing there is no court of appeal again to help you and death is final it means God has given you all the space you need to prove the kind of person you are, the quality of life you want to live. And when death does come, you cease work and your labors follow you. Okay. The Bible speaks about four different kinds of death. When God created man, He did not create man to die or not to die. Genesis chapter 2 verse 17, God told man that the day you disobey me and eat of this forbidden fruit, you will die. You will surely die. Genesis 2 17. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yes. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. You will surely die. The day you eat of it, dying, you shall surely die. It means that God gave man free will and allowed him to determine whether he will be a dying person or he will live and eat of the tree of life and live forever and man chose disobedience and obeying satan and death so four different kinds of death are mentioned in the bible number one physical death physical death in Genesis chapter 3 verse 19 God told Adam that Dust you are To dust you will return 
so you go back to become dust James chapter 2 verse 26 says that for the body without the spirit is dead Matthew chapter 10 verse 28 Jesus said don't fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul fear rather the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell this means that the physical body you see is an envelope it's a case it's a temple and it is given to us so that we can deal with the material world the physical world number two is what we call spiritual death spiritual death means you are cut off and separated from the life of God and from God's presence you have died spiritually so it explains why 1st Timothy chapter 5 verse 6 Paul says a widow who lives in pleasure is dead while she is alive Matthew chapter 8 verse 22 Jesus said let the dead bury their dead it means let the spiritually dead bury their physically and spiritually dead so he says let the Matthew, Matthew 8, 22. 22, yes. But Jesus told him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Yes. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 says, We were dead in trespasses and sins. It, because you are spiritually dead. Philipp, uh, Ephesians 4, 17 to 19. He says, We were cut off from the life of God. So these things prove that. A person can be physically alive but spiritually dead and all of us from Adam after the sin all of us were born spiritually dead it is only when you come in contact with Jesus Christ and accept him as Lord and personal Savior that you are made alive together with Christ let's read that from Ephesians 2 verse 5 Ephesians, Ephesians two, chapter 2 verse 5 5 and 6 and mm. 6 yes made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions yes it is by grace you have been saved and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus the third type of death described in the Bible is called the second death. The second death. This second death is eternal separation from the presence of God after the final judgment. Let's read Revelation chapter 21 verse 8 first Revelation chapter 21 verse 8 first of all yes but the cowardly the unbelieving 
the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. This is the second death. Where forever you have been put into the lake of fire, separated from the presence of God, no appeal again. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Then, we call it the second death. And in Revelation chapter 20 verse 6, the Bible tells us that the second death has no power over those who are born again and those who attain to the first resurrection. Revelation 20 verse 6. Revelation 26 says, Blessed and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them. The second death has no power over them. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. And the fourth death mentioned is the spirit of death. There is a spirit called spirit of death. And I want to explain that to you. This spirit is responsible for killing people. This spirit is responsible for putting into your mind thoughts of suicide. You see a car coming, you want to just jump and throw yourself in front of the car so that it will kill you. Or you are on a story building, it tells you jump, just jump. And when you die, your funeral will be very great. People gone too soon. Yo, you can even see all your posters all over the place. Wow, he died at 25. Mm. You know, it's a spirit. It's a spirit called the spirit of death. Let's read Revelations. First of all, Revelations chapter 6 verse 8. And then we shall read Revelations chapter 20. I want us to read verses 13 and 14. Revelations 6 verse 8, first of all. I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Yes. Each rider was named Death. Yes. And Hades was following close behind him. A pale horse, and the rider of that horse is called Death. And then behind him was, you know, Hades. Let's read. Uh, Revelations chapter 20 We are reading verses 13 and 14 And the Bible says A time is coming when death will die Revelation 20 13 and 14 Yes The sea gave up the dead that were in it Yes And the death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them Death and Hades They poured out dead people who were in them Yes And each person was judged according to what he had done Yes then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. Death and Hades were also thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. So death will die the second death. So a time is coming when this spirit of death will also die. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, let me pause and explain three big issues number one is the fact that you can choose after you are born spiritually dead you can choose
to become alive. That choice depends on you. The day you repent and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, the blood of Jesus washes your sin. And God's Spirit enters you and you are born again. You are made anew. You see, uh, uh, John chapter 3, verses 3 and 5, Jesus says, Except a man be born from above and born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. So, with that, you can change your state. If as you listen to me, or you know that yourself, your relatives, your friends, they are spiritually dead, then you can help them. Jesus can give them life. He says in John 11, 25 and 26, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me shall not die. Though he dies, I will raise him up again. He will live again. John 11, 25-26 Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Yes. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. John chapter 5, verse 24 Jesus said that anyone who hears my words and believes in the one who sent me he has passed from death to life and he will not pass into judgment again John 5 24 John 5 24 I tell you the truth yes. whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life Good. and will not be condemned he has crossed over from death to life so the choice is yours just like it was the choice of Adam and Eve to eat or not eat of the forbidden fruit for death to come and pass upon all men the choice is yours number two uh, point I want to make is the certainty of death you know many of us like what we call last minute we procrastinate and procrastinate and procrastinate uh, 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 some people tell themselves oh yes this Jesus thing yeah I will give it attention you know you just let me be on pension when, when I go on retirement I'm going to have time to read the Bible and then I'll have time and I will change and then I'll have time and think about Jesus and these things but right now I'm busy you know I don't have time you see you people you have time that's why my brother my sister time is not waiting for you now is the acceptable time that's what 2 Corinthians 6.2 says now is the acceptable time when God reaches out his hand to you then today is the day he wants you to change it is an error to think that it is after you have finished living your life that you need Jesus he needs your life now there are things happening in your life 
that only Jesus can correct, only Jesus can heal, only Jesus can break the power of Satan over your life. You need him now. And I want to go on and talk about where we go after death. Where do we go after death? Once again, this is a big uncharted territory, unknown territory. But we have the authority of the scriptures. And we are going to read three big passages. Because we need to answer the question. Do human beings go to purgatory after death? Are there ghosts? When you die, can you come back and, and ghost around? And what really happens when a person dies? Now, the first passage was given by Jesus himself in Luke chapter 16. And it's a long passage. But let's read it from verse 19. We are reading from verse 19. Let's try if we can get up to verse 33. That's fine. We are reading from Luke chapter 16 verse 19 um, I will try not to comment too Luke much 16 yes. from verse 19 yes. there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day at a gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table even the dogs came and licked his sores the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The beggar died and angels carried him. Uh, this is from the mouth of Jesus. If it were any other person, I would hesitate before I comment. But Jesus rose from the dead. So unless somebody has risen from the dead, Jesus is the most authoritative person on what happens beyond the grave. He says that the beggar died and angels came and carried him to Abraham's bosom. This means that your state when you are on earth is different from your state after death. He was a beggar on earth, but in death, angels are carrying him. Many times we assume that if you are a chief in Ghana, when you die, you will be a chief after death. <laughs> that, that, you know, heaven is laughing at you. It doesn't follow at all. Okay, please go on. You continue, please. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. The rich man died. Can you imagine the burial? <laughs> it was certainly more glamorous than that of the beggar. Yes. In hell, where he was in torment. Eh? The rich man was in torment. He wow. looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me. And sent Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. Because I've been agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, 
Remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house. For I have five brothers. Let him want them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Please, I want you to take note of a few points in this passage. By far the strongest point Jesus is making here is that even if somebody rises from the dead and goes to the family members, my uncles and my aunties, there is hell, there is heaven. If they don't believe the Bible, Moses and the prophets, they will not believe the strongest document heaven has given to human beings to convict us and give us assurance of life beyond the grave is the Bible another thing I want you to notice is that he talks about this rich man being in torment and the beggar being in Abraham's bosom there are four different words used for hell and translated hell in the King James Version of the Bible which can be misleading. The first one is the Hebrew word Sheol. Sheol. Sheol is where dead people go to. In Hebrew and Hebrew in the Hebrew Bible and it is in Psalm 16 verse 8 it says you will not leave my soul to hell sure the second word is the Greek word Hades Hades is the New Testament Greek word for where dead people go to now, the reason we, we put together, equate, show, and Hades is because the New Testament quotation of Psalm 16, verse 8 to 10, by Peter on the day of Pentecost, uses the word Hades for show in the Acts chapter 2 passage. Now, the third word translated hell is Tartarus. Tartarus. Tartarus is the Greek word used in Jude 
in Jude from verse 4 to 8 Jude is arguing about angels who have been chained with unbreakable chains in Tartarus awaiting judgment some of the fallen angels are so dangerous God has not allowed them to be roaming about the earth so he chained them in Tartarus this Tartarus is the Greek word used to describe what we will call the bottomless pit now let us build the picture number four word used for hell is Gehenna 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 is the word translated hell the lake of fire and brimstone which burns forever and ever and ever 11 out of the 12 times it is used in the New Testament is used by Jesus Christ I have just quoted one of them Matthew chapter 10 verse 28 you can read it again for effect Jesus was saying that don't fear people who can kill the body but cannot do anything to your soul fear rather the person who can destroy both body and soul in Gehenna yes Matthew 10 28 Matthew chapter 10 verse 28 do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell if you are angry with your brother and you call him thou fool Jesus says in Matthew 5.22 you are guilty of Gehenna so what is happening is that we have these four words translated variously hell, hell, hell but in actual fact hell the lake of fire is only for people who have faced the final judgment with God they are put there forever if condemned Sheol and Hades are intermediate states Meaning that when you die, you go to a cell. Your body is dead, but your soul and spirit is very alive. As you can see from the account Jesus gave. So, the best way or best picture, I can use to describe it is a three story building under the earth if you imagine a three story building under the earth then on top of the story building the third floor is what we call Abraham's bosom or paradise and until Jesus came all righteous dead people 
go to Abraham's bosom or to paradise. Then, under that is the place where the wicked dead go to. Call it the middle story. But at the very bottom or the bottomless pit is the Tartarus where spirits who have defied God have been changed. Fallen angels. So with this picture you should be able to see what is going on. When Jesus came and he died Second Peter 2 4 says he went to this place and Jesus took all the righteous dead from Abraham's bosom or paradise and carried them to heaven in their disembodied form. They don't have their physical bodies up now but it means that all Christians who die all righteous people who die they go to be with the Lord now just that they have not yet got their resurrection bodies let's read a few of the passages let's read Philippians chapter 1 uh, 20 to 22 Philippians chapter 1 from verse 20 to 22 Philippians 1 20 22 I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body whether by life or by death for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain if I am to go on living in the body this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. So I am torn between the two. Yes. I desire to depart and be with Christ. I desire to depart and be with Christ. Which is better by far. Yes. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Okay. Now let's go to Second Corinthians. We are reading chapter 5. Let's read from verse... 7 to 8 Live by faith, not by sight We are confident, I say I would prefer to be away from the body And at home with the Lord Away from the body At home with the Lord Yes So we make it our goal to please Him Whether we are at home in the body Or away from it Now, this means that For the Christian our intermediate state is no longer going to Hades to be in Abraham's bosom. God has swept through Jesus Christ all the righteous who are there and they are now with Christ. In Revelation chapter 6 verse 9, the Bible says, I saw under the altar the souls of those who have been slain for the sake of Jesus Christ and they were asking God when will you avenge us yes let's read it Revelation 6 9 when he opened the fifth seal 
I found that the altar, the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. Yes, please go on. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge their blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were to be killed as they had been was completed. So, this is a very graphic picture of people who have been killed for the sake of the word of God. They are souls, they are righteous, but they have not yet been clothed with their resurrection bodies. And because of that, they were asking, when will God avenge them? And they were given white robes and told to wait a little longer until their number will be complete. Uh, I just use that to make the point that for the believer now, when you die in Christ, you go to be with the Lord. And you wait until the rapture. When the rapture comes, you will put on your resurrection body. Our time is far gone, but I want us to read now the first Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. Then we can stop there for today. First Thessalonians 4, verse 16 and 17. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first after that we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to be the Lord in the air and so we will be with the Lord forever so I want you to notice for today we have traveled from Personal eschatology, death, your death. Then we have looked at the different types of death. Now we have also taken some time to look at the intermediate state, the state between death and when Jesus comes for you the second time. And we have tried to explain to you. A picture of what goes on after death and ending with the rapture for today I want to just draw out three conclusions for us to close number one is Jesus and his claims about death and life after death. In John 14, 1 to 3, Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. When I finish, I will come and take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus himself died and rose from the dead not only that the other claims of Jesus 
Jesus said in John 8.51 Anyone who believes in me shall not see death. Jesus said in John 5.22 and 23 The Father himself judges nobody. He has committed all judgment into the hands of the Son. So that all men should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. The claims of Jesus are that not only did he rise from the dead never to die he says that if you believe in him you will not die if you die you are falling asleep because he is preparing a place for you and you will be with him forever and ever but in addition to that jesus says in revelation chapter 1 verses 17 and 18 that the keys of death and Hades they are in his hands Jesus says that he has conquered death and destroyed the power of Satan in death forever Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 and 15 says Jesus took flesh and blood like us so that through death he would destroy him who had the power of death and free all those who because of fear of death were slaves to Satan then my other argument is Enoch and Elijah in the Old Testament they did not see death they were taken to heaven alive these are biblical proofs that there is life beyond the grave because of Jesus because of the claims of Jesus and because of the Old Testament proofs of people who were translated alive to heaven. I want to put it to you that for the Christian, fear of death is an abnormal fear. Why? Because the Lord Jesus who lives in you, Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the Lord Jesus has overcome death. He rose from the dead never to die. And showed himself alive with many convincing proof. Number two, Romans chapter 8 verse 11 says, The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in your heart. Then what is your problem? The fearless Holy Spirit lives in your heart. Number three, we have examples in the Bible of people who walked on this earth and were taken to heaven by God alive. This is proof that there is life beyond the grave and that our God and Father has conquered death forever and He has a place reserved for us. And the early church believed that not only shall we live beyond the grave but that we shall receive crowns we shall receive rewards in fact jesus himself said in matthew 13 43 that the righteous will shine like the sun forever and ever in the father's kingdom i think i want us to read that before we close matthew matthew 13 43 verse 43 then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom 
of their father. The righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. The righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. The righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. No Christian should fear death. No Christian should fear death. If after this you are afraid of death, then you need to pray. Psalm 34 verse 4 says, I sought the Lord and He answered me and delivered me from all my fears. You need to be delivered out of your fears. And 2 Timothy 1 7 says, God has not given us a spirit of cowardice, but of power, of love and of sound mind. No Christian should be afraid of death. For some, you are afraid because you think you suffer pain before dying. Jesus went through it. God will never allow you to be tempted beyond your strength. When there is pain, He will give you strength, grace to go through it. Some of you are afraid that where are you going? There is no need to worry. If you have Jesus in your heart, you have eternal life. If you don't have Him, then you don't have life. There is no need at all for any Christian to be afraid of death. Some too are worried about what will happen to those behind. Psalm 27 verse 10 says, When my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. When you die, God will take up the people behind you. God will handle them. God is able... When your father and mother died, are you not alive? And has he not been taking care of you? God will take care of them also. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Follow JFK Mensa Ministries on Facebook and YouTube and invite others to listen to his podcast. You can also access some of JFK Mensa's books and keep up with his ministry at www.jfkmensaministries.org. God bless you.